Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we will complete the study of the first chapter of Jeremiah, of the Prophet Yirmiyahu. Uh, today we will also complete this chapter. And uh, it's a relatively famous one as it is read during, as the Haftorah portion of one of the three weeks, the weeks of mourning that... Uh, happened between the 17th day of the month of, of Tammuz and the 9th of Av. Those are two fast days on the Jewish calendar which commemorate the um, destruction of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem. And because in this prophecy, uh, God tells Yirmiyahu for the first time, he informs Jeremiah of the coming, the coming disaster, the coming destruction. That's why it is read during those weeks. So we will begin. If you remember, in the last chapter, we just, in the last uh, podcast, we studied the 1B of Yeshayahu. We discussed the time when God appeared to Yermiyahu and appointed him as a prophet, his call to prophecy, so to speak. <laughs> and interestingly enough, as we noted in our last podcast, Yermiyahu never said, okay, he never officially accepted this mission. God just said, you're going to do it. And he told him not to be afraid. He told him that I am going to give you uh, the message to with which you should present to the people. And now he's, Yirmiyahu is about, to, now that he's been appointed a prophet, here is his first vision. And behold, the words of God came to me as follows. Um, <clears throat> Yirmiyahu, God calls him by name, what do you see? Omar and I said to him, says, says Jeremiah, Makel I see a stick or a branch, shokade, with almonds or a branch of an almond tree, Aniroe, that is what I see. And God said to me, Hey Tavtoliros, you have seen well. Because I am, this is a play on words, the word shakade as a noun is, comes from shakadim, from, means almonds. The word lishkod in Hebrew as a verb means um, to, be, to be diligent or I'm, I'm uh, looking over something diligently to make something happen. That's what the word shokade would mean. So ki shokade ani, I am being diligent. Altavari on my word lasso, so to do it, to do the thing which I'm about to inform you of. So this is the um, this is what uh, this is what God is telling Yirmiyahu, and now we're going to find out exactly what it is that. God is predicting and God is telling Yirmiyahu to prophesy about. And then after he spoke to me about the, the first vision and he showed me the almond branch, he then said to me a second time, What do you see now? And I said, I see a bubbling cauldron or a pot that is bubbling and boiling. That's what I see. Ufanov mi and its face, its front, which is the the part, the the side of the pot from which you pour, is turning away from the north. 
In other words, something in the north is pushing, tilting the pot over so that it pours southward. So you imagine you're standing in the south and you see a pot of boiling water or boiling something pouring towards you. This is the vision that I saw. Interestingly, um, uh, in the next verse, which is 14, God does not say, like he said before, you have seen well. The parent, exactly, when, when I, I just want to go back for a second to that idea, because when he saw the makel shokade, the almond branch, God said, you are seeing well. It is something sort of, it's obviously a compliment God is giving your mio that he didn't just see a branch, a tree branch, or a branch with leaves, or, but he identified the type of branch that it was. In other words, Yermio had the perception that God is saying, yes, Yermio, you have the perception when you see something, you are able to discern the important details about it. You don't just see something, but you see something important. Someone could have, he could have easily just have said, I see a boiling pot, or I see a boiling pot pouring. But he's noticing the details. He's noticing the direction. He's noticing the type of fruit, etc. etc. Et the um, the um, the issue here is that, uh, and and it's the same thing here. I you know I see this bubbling pot. I see where it's pouring from. But by now, God has already complimented your meal. He has already told him that. I, I can tell that you're the you're the kind of person who sees the images the way I want you to see them. So Vayomer Adonai Eli in verse 14, God then said to me, that, that detail that you saw, just like by the Makel Shokade, God, the detail was the important part. And God is saying that I am going to be diligent to make it happen. You know, same thing over here. It's the north that is the detail that he wanted him to see. And therefore God says, The bad which is going to pour out is going to come. And, and break loose, I've seen a translation which I, I like here. Um, it's going to break loose the evil from the north on all the residents of the land. Um, when one looks at a map today, one sees Babylon, which is more or less in where modern-day Iraq is. It kind of looks like it's east of the land of Israel as opposed to north. However, if you understand the routes with which people traveled, in order to travel from Israel to Babylon, one would go up north towards what's today Lebanon and Syria and, and veer off to the east. That's, that's, that was the way it was traveled. So, so from the perspective of someone in Israel, uh, attackers coming from Babylon would be coming from the north. So it's Mitzafon Tifotachara. And all of, those, um, all of those nations, Assyria, for example, and Babylon and, and other nations... Uh, in that direction would be the nations of the north and where, from where the destruction would come. And, and throughout the history of Israel, all of the enemies that came to attack and destroy were almost always from the north with, the, uh, with some exceptions you know, such as Egypt and Ethiopia, etc. But generally it was from the north. Because God says, and now he's giving some details. I am going to call to all of the royal families of the of the kingdoms of the north, says God. I'm going to call them. Oh, and each one of those royal families, each one of those noble families are going to come and bring their thrones, Pesach Shari Yushalayim, to the doors 
of the gates, the openings of the gates of Jerusalem, and around all of the walls of Jerusalem, and not only against Jerusalem, but against all of the cities of Judah. And I am going to speak my justice against them, against the people of Judah, because of all of their evil. I'm in the middle of verse 16. I'll stop here for just a second. Remember, we had this in Isaiah. We had this idea in many of the prophets that that when the people come, when the nations come to attack in order to mete out the punishment against Judah, God gives them permission to come. God makes them the rod of his wrath, so to speak, which was the language we saw in Isaiah. Here we have Jeremiah saying the same idea, or God actually telling the prophet Jeremiah the same idea, that... I want to punish Judah because of because of its evil ways, and the way it's going to happen is that these nations are going to be my messengers to bring that punishment to Judah. And why is this? Back to the middle of verse 16, Asher Hazavuni, because they have abandoned me by and they have been bringing incense and offerings to other gods, and they are bowing down to the creations of their own hands. I pointed this out several times in this podcast, and I think it's a theme that I would like to reiterate um, because I think it's a very important idea and theme that the objection of the prophets and of God, obviously, through his prophets, to the worship of other gods has many connotations. There's many issues involved here. There's many problems with worshiping other gods. On some level, on the most basic level, it's it's a lack of appreciation for God himself. It's God himself angry at us for not appreciating that it is from him that all of what we have, what we are privileged to have comes. That it comes from him, that he's the one who um, who 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 took us out of Egypt he's the one who gave us the land he's the one who built us the temple he's the one that sustains us all all the, every day and gives us food to eat and so on and health everything it's, on another level it's a philosophical problem and sometimes we see you know God is the creator of the heavens and the earth there is only one God the, the whole idea of monotheism but on on a third level which is the one that is the most um how should I say, the most emphasized throughout all of the prophets is this idea that it's the idea of arrogance. An idol is something that we as human beings create ourselves. We create an idol and then we bow down to it. And, and, and when, by doing that, what you're saying is that this is something that I, that it, the power comes from me, that I am great. Because I have the power to build this idol and then whether it's pray to it, worship to it, or, or, or worship it in the sense that I expect this, my own power, my, the thing that I made myself to provide me with something. This is the connection which we can bring the whole, the idea, the problem of idol worship and make it relevant to us in our day. There aren't many people today in our society at least, in, 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 in the Western society, where the monotheistic religions have, have pretty much um, carried the day here in a, from a religious sense, the idea that there's only one God and that there aren't numerous gods, 
is not an idea that most of us grapple with on a day-to-day basis. We generally, at least in the audiences that I'm speaking with, most of us are monotheists. And we understand, at least in principle, that there's only one God. But this idea of which is the problem of idol worship, is something that we have every day, all day in our lives. So much of what we do is worshiping our own creations. And I just, the most obvious, of course, in our society is the idea of money, the idea of wealth, and the idea that, that, that we worship wealth in this sense, not that we bow down to it or say or bring incense to it or sacrifices, but we worship it in the sense that that we view it as a validation of a person's greatness. People look up to someone who's wealthy because he or she made it. They've so and, and we think that they have the secrets. And when we ourselves achieve something or accomplish something in that sense, in that material sense, we become arrogant because we attribute that success to ourselves. This is Vaishtachavulim Asegdehem. I know that in this particular verse, it's only it's mentioned in almost in passing, but it's extremely important. This point is driven home many, many more times and much more forcefully in in, in many other verses. And as we view it in its entirety, and as we view this idea popping up again and again and again, and I'll keep on pointing it out. And this is what makes this relevant. There aren't many of us who are going to go home tonight and bring uh, incense to a, to an idol. And if so, uh, then this verse would clearly recommend that that's not the proper path. But many of us will worship ourselves. Many of us will think that it's because I'm smart, because I'm strong, because I'm this, because I'm wealthy, that, that, that they have something, that they've achieved something, rather than attribute their success to God from whom it really comes. And now, going on to verse 17, God turns towards Jeremiah himself. God is about to warn him of something that's going to happen and we're going to see so much of throughout this book. When Yirmiyahu brings this vision of destruction, he is not going to be met with... Um, with uh, a, a supportive crowd. The people are going to be very upset by what he says. The leadership are going to be very upset by what he says. And he, people are going to make fun, people are not gonna listen, and eventually they're even going to physically harm and hurt Yirmiyahu in, because of the message that he's trying to bring them. So God is now giving him strength. This reminds us, there's several other places and of course, where God gives strength to the prophet before he sets out on his mission. The most famous being Joshua, where God says to Joshua in the famous words, be strong and be brave. That, of course, was in a very different context. Joshua's enemies were enemies that were actual uh, military enemies <clears throat> and he was going to fight battles, whereas here, Yirmiyahu is not fighting an actual physical battle with swords and arrows and chariots and horses, but he's fighting a, a, a battle, uh, a much more of a political battle, although it does get physical to some extent, but it's a political battle with the people. And remember, Yirmiyahu is talking in the time of Yoshiyahu. This was a time of relative independence, independence from Assyria, independence from Babylon. It was a time of... Um, 
Bar Yoshiyahu was bringing about tremendous reforms and bringing people back to God. This was a time when the people of Judah were looking at themselves and thinking, the people of Judah were thinking, here, things are going to be good, things are great, we're getting there, we're moving along, we're establishing a big kingdom, so much to the extent that Yoshiyahu thought he would have been able to withstand uh, and, and attack the people of Egypt the armies of Egypt, he ended up losing terribly and losing his life as well. But I'm just bringing that example of how strong Yoshio thought he was and the people thought they were at this time. Yermio coming and saying, you guys aren't so holy, you guys aren't so great, you guys are are still uh, bowing to the, the works of your own hands, you're still evil and destruction is going to come, was not being received by an audience that really wanted to listen. So therefore God tells Yermio, Viata, and you tezor masnecha, Literally, this means gird your loins, but the idea is strengthen yourself. Be brave, and get up, and speak to the people, everything that I tell you. Do not be afraid, because if you are afraid, then I will... Um, there's several ways to translate this. Uh, the idea here is, is that I don't want you to be afraid. If you show fear, then your fears will come true. Then I'm going to let them take advantage of you. I'm going to let the people take uh, uh, hurt you. But if you're not afraid, then I will stand behind you. So, so the lack of fear is is the is crucial to the mission here itself. Um, uh, if if you, because 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 the idea is is that you know your strength comes from me you know your strength comes from God you know your strength comes from the fact that you're fulfilling the mission that I set you on if you're afraid it means you don't understand that it means you're not confident in that and then you're going to end up losing Vani and I says God God continues this this metaphor of a battle even though he's not actually going to battle. But the metaphor of a battle to give him strength, and he's saying, I'm making you, Le'ir Mibzar, like you are yourself a fortified city, Vilamud Barzel, and an iron, and an iron pillar, Lechomos Nechoshes, and, 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 and bronze or copper walls, Al Kolharetz, upon the entire land, Lemalchei Yehudah, because your, your enemies are going to be big ones, and you're going to need a lot of strength, so I'm making you like this fortress, so that the people that are going to attack you, Lemalchei Yehudah, the kings of Yehudah, here God is hinting to Jeremiah that not only is it the king, the current king, Yoshio, but the future kings are going to have problems with what you're going to say. There's going to be many kings that follow that are not going to want to listen to your message that you're giving. L'soreha, to all of the officers of the government, l'chohanea, to the priests, ula amoretz, and the general populace. So basically, you're going to have a lot of enemies. God is sending out Jeremiah on a mission where he's going to be a lone voice among a lot of voices that really, really, really don't want to hear his message. So he really needs this strength that, that God just promised him and God is demanding of him in order to fulfill this mission. We just, um, uh, and then verse 19, I'm telling you all of these people are going to wage war against you, but they will not conquer you. You will fulfill your mission. Why? Because I am with you, Noam Adonai, so says God, I am with you here in order to save you from them. You will make it through. This is what God promises him. And then, this completes the first chapter. Looking forward to studying the rest of this book when we see how Yirmiyahu fulfilled the mission that God sent him on. And how he did suffer from the people, but 
Yermio still remained strong and steadfast in his fulfillment of the mission that God sent him upon. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.